Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> Here we are. Ah, uh, yes. Here we are. Um, I thought that it would be a public service announcement if we both rattled off all the places we're going to be this year. Well, that's a good idea, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to be in Boston March uh, 1st through 4th to launch uh, Heretic Brewing in Massachusetts. We're going to have oh, like three cool. events um, during the week. We're going to be out visiting accounts. Uh, you know, hit me up on social media. You never know. We could, if I got time, we can hang out and have a beer together. Uh, look for the events. Look for the Heretic uh, launch events uh, during that weekend. Uh, come on out. I will be at all of them, and uh, we'll have a beer together. It'd be cool. I love, I, I tell you, you will save me because I hate going to events and not running into homebrewers. When I, when a homebrewer shows up at these events, I pretty much latch onto them so I can talk <laughs> brewing with somebody yeah. instead of explaining, you know, what does heretic mean? Uh, <laughs> how did you? How did you start brewing? It's like... You don't listen to the show? I don't know. I like I like talking with my friends. Y'all that listen to the show are my friends, so come out and uh, save me. I'll be in uh, Malmo, Sweden. Uh, I'm going to do a uh, a. Uh, I'm going to be there for a for a brew uh, with Thomas at uh, Malmo uh, Brewing in uh, on the thirtieth. Come on down. Uh, you know, there's like a regular tap, tap house restaurant, uh, lots of great beers and, uh, come down and I'm sure that'd be cool with them. Is that March you, 30th? March 30th. Right. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to be hanging out uh, pretty much all day, I guess. And, uh, I don't expect to do a lot of work, but I expect to, uh, criticize, uh, you know, the brewing. That's, that's pretty much how things go. Uh, I'm going to do a keynote speech at the uh, Craft Brewers uh, Conference on the 31st in Malmo, Sweden. Then I'm going to be at the Beer and Whiskey Fest on the 1st in Malmo, Sweden. And uh, hopefully we'll have some heretic beer there at that Beer and Whiskey Fest on the 1st. We're trying to make that happen. may just have to sneak a couple cases in my luggage. Yeah. Some of those uh, barrel-aged ones that you've done? Don't know. Probably cans. Those are going to be the easiest thing. So twin and cousin. Um, Then on the uh, 4th, we're going to do a collab at uh, Sambrook's Brewing in London. I love Sambrook's. Great place. Uh, We're going to do a collab. We're going to do an American Brown Ale. Hoppy Uh American Brown. 
So I'm looking forward to that. And then in the evening, we're going to go visit the uh, London Area Brewers Lab Homebrew Club. Cool. Uh, it's going to be at U Brew. Did you meet up with them when you were there? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Great guys. Yeah. Great guys. Guys and gals. Great, great people. Yes. And uh, looking forward to meeting them uh, Monday night. And then on the 6th, uh, we're going to do a collab with uh, Beavertown Brewing in London. Uh, also, fantastic folks. Yeah. I love their beers as well. And um, we're going to be doing something I've never done before, which is a, uh, a kind of a peach cobbler IPA is, is the idea. Uh, Landon, oh. uh, Landon Plant uh, came up with the, uh, uh, the idea. And uh, we're, we're still working on a recipe, but I love it because it's something I've never done before. He gave me a couple of options. He's like, well, how about this? How about that? I'm like, that one. That one, I've never done that before. I've done the others. This I've not done. I want to do something I've never done before. So he's all about it, which is really cool, and I expect to have a wonderful time there. On the 7th, going to be at We Brought Beer for a uh, judging class. It's limited to 20 people. So contact We Brought Beer ASAP. It's at the uh, Clapham Junction uh, branch, and uh, it's 20 people. And the reason it's kept small is so we have time to talk uh, together and to, you know, taste and to for everybody to get their, you know, notes heard and all that. And I think we're going to have five Heretic beers there. And they've got a ton of other beers. So that'll be fun. And then uh, on the 8th, we're going to do uh, London Beer Lab. Uh, they do homebrew in there on site. And so I'm going to be there for a homebrew. I don't know the details of that one yet, but... That one's going to be really limited as well. Maybe they don't mind people coming down, drinking some beer, and just hanging out. So uh, check check with them, uh, London Beer Lab, and uh, see what the, the story is on that on the 8th. And then the 9th, we're going to do uh, a tap takeover at Mondo Brew. Uh, come on out. Again, I think they're going to have five Heretic beers, five or six, something like that. And some of their their beers on as well, and uh, I'm going to be there all all the, the whole time and uh, just hanging out, having a good time. Then we're going to York the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, if you live around York, uh, come on out, hit, hit us up on social media. I'd love to meet up with you. Uh, then I've got, uh, let's see, uh, in August I guess South Korea. I've got Singapore. I've got Tokyo. Yep, that's our big trip. Uh, yeah, you do too. Yeah, that's right. We're going together. <laughs> um, you're going to be in Singapore. I got to do South Korea and uh, Tokyo as well. Uh-huh. Um, I've got Philly. Um, I'm going to go to Philly in May. I'm going to be at the Homebrewers Conference or the yeah. uh, CBC. CBC, right. Um, Baltimore's NHC in June. Right. Uh, I've got uh, next year coming up, I got Norway. going to be a keynote at a. At a uh, Beer event in Norway in April, and then uh, we're looking at uh, maybe doing Poland at some point. Warsaw. I don't know. Wow. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so getting around, you know, That's awesome. like yeah. I'm, I'm prone to do. How, how about yourself? I know you've got a busy calendar as well. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got Florianopolis coming up here. Well, let's see. Actually, first I've got New Zealand going to Nelson, uh, New Zealand in March. Um, March 16th through the weekend. And then in April is uh, Florianopolis, Brazil. Um, and that week is... 
trying to look here. That'll be the uh, 15th through the 21st. And uh, that's March, April. Okay, no, um, let's see. Florianopolis is the 20th through the 25th. Then uh, May 3rd to the 7th, that's CBC. What's this one? Ah, yeah. <laughs> and disappointment. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you sure you're going to show up to all these places? Oh, yeah, they're on my calendar here, but, you know, just right. it's on my, my teeny little phone instead of my I will. I will, also, I will also be uh, in Portland uh, a number of times throughout the year, at least three or four times uh, during the year, so... Look for me in Portland as well. Cool. Portland's an easy trip for me. Yeah, that's true. I get a nonstop. It's quick. It's cheap. Uh, you can take a public transit from, uh, you can take the max from the airport to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, my distributor is great. And, you know, they got Uber there. We had a good time in Portland. It was a good time. <laughs> we always have a good time. That's true. Is there a time we haven't had a good time? No. I'm trying to think back. Yeah. I mean, ever since I've known <laughs> well, you. Well, Ohio. Time... <laughs> but so that was pretty good. Was I was fun. not in Ohio. That's no, why remember, you didn't have a good time. Remember the, um, the beer event we did where we were like the only two home brewers there. Mm. And we signed a ma- the IX, magazine. The IX thing in Cleveland. Um, yeah. I still had a good time. Yeah, true. I hung out with the Willoughby guys. Yeah. We, we drank at... Uh, we drank the hotel out of La Roja, La Roja. Yep. from Jolly Falcon. <laughs> we still had a good time. We always yeah. have a good time. Is there, that's that's what I love about you. You and I, when we <laughs> hang out, it, it, we never don't have a good time. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to Singapore. That should be really cool. Yeah. No, we're going to be there full week. Uh, we're going to the uh, homebrewers event there. And uh, we'll probably have some sort of uh, tap takeover as well. And then I think we're going to have some time to, you know, just meet up with homebrewers oh, at various great. places. Absolutely. You know, we can just call out some bar and just say, oh, we're going to be there. Come on out and drink with us. Yeah. Uh, pardon me. <laughs> I'm having a growler of bitter, a large oh. growler of bitter. Nice. Yeah, more? Yeah, please. Oh, no, I mean, oh, I thought you meant the bitter. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Um, let's see. I think I've got South Af- Africa in July. Again. Yeah, right, um, right. Going to Cape Town this time. Nice. Um, August, what do these dates say? Ah, I'm going to be in Boulder for a bit in August. Mm-hmm. Working on the next edition of How to Brew. Mm-hmm. Um, then we got. Then I got the World Brewing Congress coming up uh, middle of August. And I believe that right is- that is right before the Singapore trip. I can't go. I'm in oh, I'm, I'm in South Korea. Ah, right. So yeah, yeah I'm going to present at the World Brewing Congress. So I don't want to miss it. Go. Yeah, no, that sounds like an excellent event. Yeah, and then uh, September. Well, that's another disappointment. Oh, the uh, <laughs> California Craft Brewers Conference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Enough about your dentist appointments. Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing that I think that would make these trips better would be if our good buddy uh, John Blickman was there. 
Ah, no, you're right there. That's, that's, one, that's one crazy dude. And he was just so fun to hang out with. I love that guy. He is, he'll, he'll give me all sorts of crap because mm-hmm. I just think that's the way he's wired. <laughs> but he's funny. He's truly kind and generous. And uh, I love the guy. I do. Yeah. And he's, I, I think he's one of the smartest uh, guys I know. I really yeah. do. And I think that shows in the stuff that they do. I think that shows in, you know, the quality of the products and the innovation that they apply to, to brewing. And I, I just, that's, that's why I love them. And that's why I think they're, they're just such a great sponsor of the show. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, perfect fit. Because they yeah. got, yeah, yeah. Perfect fit. Not, not, yeah, I can't really, I can't pull up anything about us, but, um, Right. Yeah, no. Blickman Engineering is great. Check them out on the web, BlickmanEngineering.com. Make sure to, to email them. Email John at BlickmanEngineering.com. Email support, uh, feedback. Great folks. Every s- single person that works there, nice people. They love to hear from you. It makes them feel good uh, to know that the money that they're spending, so you can listen to this for free, uh, was money well spent. So just tell them you appreciate it. You don't have to say, oh, I bought all this, that, and the other thing. I mean, if you did, great. Let them know. But, you know, just tell them you, you do really find it useful. And, uh, I mean, lie for me. Tell them you find it useful. I'm just, <laughs> please, please, tell them you find it useful. No. <laughs> they're great, folks. You should. You really should uh, and they do enjoy hearing from you. Check them out. Yeah. Um, they're, they're avid homebrewers themselves. Right. Um, we just had John on a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and he was great, talking about always. double mashing and some really interesting work that he's doing. So just just from that whole show, you get you get a little insight into how driven the guy is, and how uh, clever and creative he is, and uh, how much he really wants to know the answer and not just make shit make up. A product, yeah, right, yeah. Totally the opposite of me. Absolutely. All right. This is going to be a Q&A show on Whirlpool. So all your Whirlpool questions that have come in for the past 27 years, we are mm-hmm. going to answer a tenth, of them, to, a, tenth of, a tenth of them tonight. All right. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back. We will have your first question right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The BrewEasy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and Brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can, featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Saka JP. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're yes. uh, going to do a uh, Q&A show about Whirlpool. What's our first question, Porno Steve? All right. This one's from Will. It's about homebrewing Whirlpool being useless. Hey. <gasps> hey, John and Jamil. I was listening to your Pro versus Homebrew show. It was great. You mentioned Whirlpool hops briefly. I'd always thought the practice was useless on a five-gallon homebrew scale because you can chill the wort significantly faster than on the commercial level. Mm -hmm. With my immersion chiller, I can usually chill the wort to pitching temperature in 12 to 15 minutes. Right. When you consider the time to chill below the ice isomerization temperature can be under a minute, would this be more useful for someone without a wort chiller? 
Is the hop character you get so noticeably different from a late edition hop? Thanks. I think that's an excellent question, and it I, is, I yeah. think it really you know shows that um, you know he's uh, got insight into what's happening, but is kind of uh, flip flopped it here because um, missing the, the forest for the trees, actually, as it were. There you go. the 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 problem with pro brewing, this is how you should look at it: is the problem with home brew, pro brewing is that you can't chill the wort fast enough. You can through a heat exchanger, but not in the Whirlpool. The Whirlpool, it sits there, and the Whirlpool is just to separate out all the uh, all the protein and hot matter before it goes through your very expensive, very easily clogged heat exchanger. So that's why we do the Whirlpool. And the problem with our Whirlpool is it's hot and hot for you know 30 minutes or whatever. And then the 30-minute transfer is hot for an hour or, you know, I guess, you know, Total average, maybe 45 minutes. Um, it's an advantage of Whirlpool chilling on the homebrew scale that it chills very quickly. Now, if you need more isomerization, that's just essentially the bittering. If you need more bittering, well, put in more bittering hops or you know, put in the hops 15 minutes early or 5 minutes early or whatever the total time is between when it chills below the isomerization point of you know, 175, 185. Uh, and um, you know, whatever time you want to add the hops, you want a 30 minutes of bittering, well, you know, 30 minutes before, before that point is uh, going to give you that bittering amount. That's really all you're talking about for isomerization. The great advantage to homebrew is you can so rapidly chill that 5-gallon, that 10-gallon gallon pot down with a, with a chiller, a Whirlpool chiller or something like that, that you can lock in all that flavor from the hops. It, it takes a moment for them to bloom in the heat and, and release from pellets or, or cones, and then you want to trap that in, and that's what you can do. So I think it's a, a vast advantage to home brewing. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if you want to give it, say, more time, uh, hot but not boiling, then simply hold off for 15 minutes before you start your chiller. Turn off the heat. Right. Put in your, put in your zero addition hops, your knockout hops, and then wait 15 minutes with the heat off and then start your chiller. Well, and, you know, that's that's a good method as well if you're trying to mimic a, uh, a commercial brew of some kind. When I did uh, Can You Brew It, what I would do, I did all the recipes for that. And when I did, when I, I would always ask the, uh, the commercial brewers, well, how long is your whirlpool? And if they said, well, you know, it's 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever, I would be uh, okay. I would move those late edition hops back to 20 minutes in the boil. Okay. Yeah. And just I, I told everyone it's like, well, here, don't. They would all listen to the the show, and then they would all be like, oh no, I mean these hops should go in the whirlpool. And I was like strict. I was like, no, listen to what I'm telling you. I want you to brew it this way. And boy, we we had great success. I think we we really uh, well over eighty percent, probably closer to ninety percent success rate. And. uh it's just understanding that concept that uh, the listener has brought up in their question. Yeah. So very good, very good point. For that, I think it's an excellent question. So good job. All right. Next question. It's about hot side aeration. 
I know there's a lot of debate on the topic, but I've never been a believer in hot side aeration. My main argument is that professional breweries wouldn't whirlpool after boiling if hot side aeration were a big concern. Outside of that argument, I have no science to either confirm or deny that it is really something to worry about. With that in mind, what difference is there between doing a whirlpool at the end of a boil and stirring the wort while using an immersion chiller? And as a follow-up, is there any real concern of hot side aeration from stirring the wort while chilling with an immersion chiller? I can usually get my wort below 100 degrees in 10 minutes or less so it doesn't stay hot for very long. Yeah, you know, the whole hot side aeration thing. So hot side aeration does exist generally when it's boiling hot. Yeah. It's, it's you know, the, the oxygen just really, that's just not that much of an issue. There, the, there's a couple spots in the mash where you have enzymes that mm-hmm. will actually oxidize fatty acids, you know, through enzymatic action, you know, outside of temperature or high temperatures. And those are around, that's like around 40 degrees C or, um, what is that, 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some enzyme oxidation of fatty acids there that can persist. However. Um, but in terms of, I mean, his question where he's saying he's worrying about. The whirlpool. Stir, yeah, right. stirring during with an immersion chiller. Stirring is not an issue. Frothing could be an issue. Mm-hmm. But well, in, in, Interestingly enough, there's a there was a study that the AHA funded mm-hmm. uh, two conferences ago, where a guy um, right. did um, several mm-hmm. several different experiments side by side, um, and aged the beers from where he you know frothed the beer at the beginning of the mash, at the mm-hmm. end of the mash, mm-hmm. the beginning of the boil, end of the boil, with uh, you know egg beaters and so on, and then they let the beers age. And there really was no consistency to the data. Um, well, they had beers that had been, you know, frothed and, you know, deliberately hot side aerated, uh, tasting better, less mm-hmm. oxidized than the controls. Because control beers here's the thing. Places. Here's the thing. Listen to our good friend Charlie Bamforth. Yes. And this is like, you know, the last word on many things for me. He, what he tells me is that... Hot side aeration, yes. And I, th- I I think we've had him on the show to say this. Hot side aeration yes. does exist. However, if your fermentation practice is strong, if it, great fermentation will negate any effects from that. Because those oxidized fatty acids actually will get uh, broken down by the, by the yeast and used. That's one of the reasons, like, you add oxygen, the oxygen is used to break down these fatty acids and used for, you know, cell wall, uh, cell membrane uh, formations. Right. And so that's, that's what they're using oxygen and fatty acids for. So these oxidized fatty acids, they can, they can utilize that as well. So great fermentation will actually negate any of these effects. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they may may have gotten variable results because I don't think they controlled for you know yeast pitch, yeast vitality, yeast strain, all that stuff. I think it's far more important to worry about uh, fermentation than it is to worry about hot side aeration. Yeah, and that was Charlie's takeaway too. Yeah. Fermentation and package oxygen he felt were yes. much more important. Package oxygen critical. Cool. Um, this is also about Whirlpool Hop additions. 
Hey guys, curious about your input on Whirlpool additions and specifically how temperature plays a role in the flavor and nose that the hops will impart on the final beer. One theory that I've read about on the internet is that dropping your temperature between 75 and 80 Celsius, adding hops and starting the Whirlpool will impart more hop flavors. Another says that adding hops and starting the Whirlpool at knockout is the best route. What say you on the best way to impart most hoppiness to a beer with Whirlpool additions? My take on it is and and the reason that I think you'll get variable results or, or variable opinions from people is a lot of people are when they talk about hot flavor they're actually talking about bitterness and a lot of people when they talk about hot flavor they're talking about you know the aromatics and the flavor compounds you know the aroma yeah and I think that that's the difference that you're seeing there uh, John do you have any uh Input yeah. onto uh, you know how much uh, you know sesquiterpenes you're you're trapping with uh, a lower temperature uh, addition than you are with a higher temperature addition. Yeah, that's that that's an area of, of current research. Um, several papers have come out, and unfortunately, I don't have them in front of me at the moment. Um, the idea is that different oils uh, have different boiling points, and so. Um, if you the uh, the thought was that if you're adding your whirlpool hops right when the water when the wort is still like at you know 205 210 degrees, that you're still going to end up flashing off some of those uh, lighter volatiles, you know, in the time that you put them in, you know, boiling or not, they're still it's still hot enough for them to volatilize. Um, so the thought was, well, let's drop the temperature down below their volatilization point to like 75C, whatever that is in Fahrenheit. Um, And I believe I read a paper that had pretty inconclusive results uh, on a taste panel. Um, In fact, it seems like the guys at Brulosophy recently did an experiment with this. You'd have to check their website, brulosophy.com. But, I mean... Uh, there's, I think you get you're getting to subjective uh, threshold, you know, aroma thresholds with different people. Um, there are some hop oils such as myrcene that some uh, brewers rate as objectionable and better off without it, and then there are other brewers that say no, they love that mm-hmm. green aroma. Uh, that fresh hop green vegetable aroma that Mersin gives, so kind of you know up to you as a as a brewer on what you, what aromas that you're looking for in your beer. Well, and I'll throw in this. Uh, I think you know the reason that a lot of people would throw in their hops early when it was you know boiling hot was because they were concerned about uh, sanitary conditions and the sanitary nature of the hops. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, there could be some bacteria, things like that. It tends to be minimal, and I tell you, you're probably getting a lot more bacteria in your beer, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. from other sources than you are yeah. from your hops. And, you know, even, uh, you know, as long as you're like one 160, you know, Fahrenheit, 161, right. pretty much right away you're, you're killing all your bacteria. So, um, yeah pasteurizing within like five ten seconds right so uh you know you can you can get down to that temp 
and and go. And I, I really wouldn't be too concerned about it. You know, all these people are concerned about, you know, the sanitary nature of adding these hops and making sure it's boiling, then later dry hop. So <laughs> don't worry, you know, the, the all, go ahead and try lower temperatures. I think you're fine. Yeah. That'd be my, my overall take on it. All right. Let's take one more short break. When we come back, we will have more of your questions right after this. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch jade and the gadget guy roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you so visit the site or visit the store in dublin california and support those that support you get your brewing on at hoptech.com Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishef, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hopped character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we are able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, their amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Well, you know, I think our our uh, our, our our young protege here, uh, Porno Steve, is going to take up homebrewing. Oh, really? Yes. I got a big enough space now, so I got the space. Well, I'll tell you. 
maybe we should get him a Lamont uh, brew kit. Yeah, you water know, tester brew lab. I think I think a brew lab is in order, and uh, you know what you're going to find is it's easy to use, it's accurate. You're going to get 50 tests, and I don't know that you're going to brew 50. Well, if it was Justin, 50 <laughs> tests would last him like the rest of his life. Yep. Uh, including everything he's already brewed in his life. Um, 50 but knowing Porno's probably he's going to want to do each one twice. Five too many. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Palmer, yeah. Yeah, there you go. No, we're... we're I, I, well done. We're going to try and get you set up. Palmer is. I'm yeah. just throwing this on Palmer. Um, but I want to see you, you brew, and I want to see you tell us about it. I think I think that that could be f- quite fantastic to know about. That'd be fun. Um, you know, Palmer approves of the Brew Lab kit. That's right. You can, if you're interested in it, go to the uh, Lamont website, uh, lamont.com. You can check it all out there. You can actually order from there, or you know, check out your uh, your online retails. Check out your local homebrew shop. Go in there. Like Porno Steve's going to go to his local homebrew shop and 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 you know get his gear and, and get all set up. Um, but uh, you know his local homebrew shop may just be more beer, which is yeah, possibly <laughs> they they carry the Lamont kits. Um, rather extensive, rather extensive, and uh, just like Porno Steve, he's rather extensive. So I've seen <laughs> yes, in uh, yes. Texas Crack Wrangler. Yeah, I'm just saying. If you haven't seen it, check it out. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, good stuff. Whirlpool questions. All right. Here's another one. Gentlemen, I've designed my brewery to include a whirlpool in the kettle. I get a vigorous flow from my pump. <laughs> <laughs> my main reason for using it is to prevent clogging of my plate cooler and for flame-out hop additions. How concerned should I be about DMS development in the whirlpool? Is hot side aeration a problem? Are there any other negatives in using a whirlpool? All right. Hot side aeration, not an issue. We already talked about that. DMS... Only an issue if you very slow, if you don't boil enough, right? and then you slowly chill. I think, uh, you know, rapid chilling, like a, an immersion chiller with a, a coil like he's talking about, eh, no, you're not going to have an issue. And then if you do like a 90-minute boil, um, you know, 105 pretty much totally eliminates the SMM, and you're not going to get any DMS. Um, 90 is more than enough. Even 60 if with a rapid chill and darker well, base malt, you're good. The, the malts that you use. Right. Darker base malts tend to have, you know, less. So if you're doing English pale ale, not an issue. A very light pilsner, that's where you start to worry. That's why you want a 90-minute boil with pilsner malts generally. A really light, uh, like the raw Alex that we use at uh, Heretic is real, really light kilned. So, you know, that could be an issue. But, again, we do a 60-minute boil. We don't have any DMS problems. Right. Right. Yeah? Anything else? No. Boil off the precursor, and you're good. Chill rapidly. Mm -hmm. Sweet. All right. Timing of Whirlpool Chiller addition to Kettle. I'm planning on moving to an electrical setup and have a question regarding the usage of immersion chillers. I was taught that... You add your immersion chiller to the kettle with about 15 minutes left to allow for enough time for sanitizing the chiller and 
have dutifully followed that. Mm-hmm. What issues could arise from placing the chiller in the kettle prior to even adding wort? I'm guessing that some scorching could occur if trub and stuff got trapped between the chiller and the kettle, but I think that only be a problem in direct fire systems. Right. Um, well, you know, it's always embarrassing being confronted by my own dogma. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you put it in right at the end, uh, like we were just saying a few mm-hmm. minutes ago, right. if you're above 160, 165 for any meaningful length of time, like mm-hmm. 10 seconds, mm-hmm. you're going to pasteurize those surfaces. Right. Um, even though a copper chiller has a fair amount of thermal mass to it, you know, it's it's going to pasteurize. You're going to be fine. Uh, with you know, uh, even less than a minute of contact time mm-hmm. before you start chilling, so not a, not a real concern. Don't don't worry about fifteen minutes before right well, when you turn off and go. I think what this guy's concerned about is building it into the kettle. Um, oh, okay. I uh, I'm with you. I, I always used to say, you know, throw it in fifteen minutes early. There you go. There you go. And you know, sanitize it and all that. But the reality is, just like you're saying, John, I'm with you 100% now, um, you throw it in at the very last second and use that thermal mass to help start the chilling process. Yeah. Right? So uh, you got your boiling wort, you drop your immersion chiller in there, it's sanitized, done. And then, you know, start your, your process up. The thing to worry about when you're dropping an immersion chiller into boiling wort is that any water inside is going to uh, start to boil and come shooting out the ends. So don't have it pointing towards you. Have it pointing away. Uh, use a, a heat-proof glove to lower it in, and that steam and spraying boiling water will, sh- you know, come shooting out. So, so Vent down the tubes or something. Yeah, be, be careful, you know, where that's pointing if you're going to do that. Um, the guy that wanted to build it into his electric uh, kettle, uh, I would say that's fine. You know, I, I, I would support it off the bottom anyways. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you just put a little, you know, tack a copper, you know, pin onto the end and keep it keep it up off the bottom a little bit and you'll be good. Um, no real detriment to that other than it can be a little more difficult to clean if it's built into the kettle. I know somebody was asking that in the questions. Um, if it's if it's built into the kettle, it's hard to kind of scrub it, and I think it, it does need a yeah. cleaning every now and then. Or it can yeah, get quite nasty. That. You can get stuff, you know, gunk building up behind it that you can't quite get out mm-hmm. and uh, get both contamination and corrosion issues with time Right. if you, if you can't keep it clean. Yeah. All right. This one's about recirculating pellets and leaves. I'm brewing lagers and ales using pellets and whole leaf. What's the best way to use Jamil's recirc chiller with whole leaf hops? Um, he apparently doesn't want to use bags. It's without using bags, uh, which work, but he doesn't want them. And uh, the pump will clog. He installed his screen and the pellets clog it. What about mm-hmm. a false bottom or a hop rocket or hop locker or trub filter? I would also like to min trub for loggers. How can he? Yeah, he wants to know how he can do this with pellets and leaf without using bags. Use a bag. Yeah, use a bag. <laughs> yeah. A hop, a hop, a hop, well, hop rocket with that false kind bottom, of res- hop circulation. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just use a bag. Or, yeah, or don't, your, use, your, don't use leaf hops. Just mm. use pellets. I don't know. Mm. 
Guy's being a little too picky. I mean, if he wants to be picky, there you go. But um, beggar choosers, right? I stuff. would, I would, you know, maybe look at just stirring the pot, you know, with the immersion chiller. Just stir it instead of pumping it around. The problem with that is you're exposing it to the atmosphere, and there's, as we all know, there's bacteria and wild yeast falling into the beer from the atmosphere. So, yeah, I don't know. I would, I would, I think the lesser of the evils is to just uh, pump it around and use a bag. If you're going to use leaf hops, I think the ideal yeah. thing is to just avoid leaf hops and use pellets. Yeah. There's not that much loss off of a hop bag to really worry about it. Right. Or if you believe that leaf hops are the greatest thing in the world, which some people do, uh, what and uh, I'm not sure exactly the logic behind it, but before you brew, take out a pair of scissors. You cut up your leaf hops into tiny little pieces so that it all passes through your pump. Huh? How about that? Then you've got your precious leaf hops, and it's small enough to go through the pump. What do you think of that, Palmer? That sounds like inspired. Ah, see? It's craziness. When, when I drink, I get the inspired craziness. <laughs> all right. All right. <clears throat> Okay, first, let me state that I use whole leaf hops in the boil. <laughs> first statement. Pair of scissors. That's yeah. my answer now from there now on. <laughs> <laughs> leaf, scissors. I began following your advice and started using a whirlpool immersion chiller. However, I decided to take my chiller one step further. In my hot wort recirculation loop, I added a hop back and then a plate chiller. Mm-hmm. In essence, I am pulling out hot wort out of the kettle, passing it over my whole leaf hops in the hot back. Nice, nice. Cooling to oh, t- the other F. person could use a hot back. There you go. There you go. It's another. Um, <laughs> where was I? Cooling to seventy Fahrenheit through mm-hmm. a plate chiller, and then putting it back into the kettle with the rest of the hot wort. Uh-huh. I run the circuit until my root kettle is below one hundred twenty Fahrenheit, which takes about ten minutes for a fifteen gallon batch. Uh-huh. I then break the circuit. Continue to cool down the wort to pitchable temps by running the wort through both the hot pack and the plate chiller. Uh-huh. The hot pack acts as a filter to remove the gold break. Right. The whole process takes less than 20 minutes for about 15 gallons. Nice. My thought process is that I can lock in flavor and aroma quickly by using the hot pack and uh-huh. stop alpha acid isomeration um, for the hops in the boil by getting to below 120 Fahrenheit as quickly as possible and also easily remove the cold break. Mm-hmm. So my question is this. Chemically, what effect would be had on the alpha acids in the hot pack by chilling them down to under 70 Fahrenheit and then heating them back up to 120 to 200 Fahrenheit? As I'm trying to lock in flavor and aroma, would I be better to just run an immersion chiller and the hot pack plate chiller separately to lock in flavor? So, I mean, if it's over, you know, the 175, 185 range, then it's isomerizing. Even if it was already cooler, if it gets hot, it's that's that's the chemical, you know, reaction that's going to happen, right? Right. Um, but, you know, it sounds like that's going to be for just a fraction of a moment yeah. in this setup. So I wouldn't really worry about that. I mean, how's the beer tasting? Do you really? I mean, people are always, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think people worry a little too much. You know, Charlie Papazian, I think, 
often had it right when he says, yeah, relax, don't worry, have homebrew. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's an issue. I think that um, it sounds like a great setup to me. Yeah. Cooling them down the heating back up is not going to do anything. Um, I mean, you'll volatilize off some of the aromatic compounds that he's trying to trap in the hop back, but, uh, you know, I don't know that you're going to fully extract all of those on the very first pass before the temperature is plummeting. Right. So, if, you know, if it's cooled down, warms back up, it's not like it's going to un-isomerize or anything like that. Right, right. No, no that's going to happen. So, and you know, if you're, if you're adding you're, seventy degree to two twelve, um, it's going to plummet really quickly. Yep. You know, how many minutes does it take to actually, you know, hit like half that volume? Well, you're going to be down, you know, well below all these temps. I, you know, it's it's it sounds good. It sounds solid. I wouldn't uh, worry a whole lot. If he wants more hop flavor and more hop character, I would try these things. One, add a little bit more hops. Two, make sure, you know, your pitching rates and your yeast health are, are appropriate and use the right yeast strain because certain yeast strains will eradicate a lot of hop character and hop bitterness. And then three, you know, check your water. You know, get yourself a Lamotte test kit. Check your water and see, you know, that your pH and all this other stuff is, you know, in the right parameters right. so those hops can pop. Yeah. Get your sulfate levels up. Um, if your pH is too high, that'll the, the sulfate or the, um, the hop bitterness will be kind of coarse and lingering. If it, the pH is lower, it'll make that uh, hop bitterness more assertive uh, but fade quicker on your tongue. Speaking harder, of, faster, softer, longer. Speaking of harder, faster, softer, longer, uh, do you need more, John? Yeah, I think I need some more. Right. I mean, who wouldn't like to get some more? Well, I'll tell right. you this. You go to adamandeve.com, use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, and you buy one item, you're going to get yourself 10 free gifts. First, you get a sexy secret surprise for her. Second, you're going to get a sexy secret surprise for him and a sexy secret surprise for both of you. Huh? 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 Is Bevo giving you a dirty look right now? <laughs> she is putting both fingers together. <laughs> oh, Bevo, you're awesome. Um, And then you're going to get six free adult DVDs, full-length DVDs. I can't look at her anymore. Um, <laughs> and free shipping. There's your 10th gift. Beavis finally got to me. Um, usually it's me, uh, but this time, yeah, I just can't look. I cannot I cannot finish this and look at Bevo. Uh So 10 free gifts. Use the offer code Jamel, adamandeve.com. Pick up something for, for, for yourself. You get the the two the three free gifts of the uh, thing for her, three thing for him, thing for both of you, <laughs> and and uh, six free adult DVDs and free shipping. 
Use the offer code adamandeve.com today. There you go. Let's take uh, one more short break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up with uh, Whirlpool questions right after this. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available for from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. Say hello to my little friend. You've heard about White Labs Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Labs Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Labs yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, Flex Cell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special, secret, elite, bare-bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***! 
NicoBrew.com. N I K O B R E W. Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right. These shows are done live. You may be listening to the podcast, but they're actually done live. And uh, there's a live chat. Uh, you can go to the website, thebrewerynetwork.com, click on the chat now button, and uh, kind of get in there. And, and the lovely Bevo is uh, moderating the chat. Uh, we got a couple of questions from the chat room. Porno Steve has turned off your microphone, or somebody has turned off your microphone. Hello. Hi. There you go. There you are. Hi. Uh huh. Um, my first question is this from. Ship runs like a top. <laughs> it's like the Titanic. <laughs> yes. As it was going there was down. Nothing until it hit the ice iceberg. <laughs> it was great until then. Uh, this is from Rock, who apologized for his poor English before he sent it. So keep that in mind. That um, never bothers me. No, me neither. And, and I think he got the message across quite clearly. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, here it's freaking hot in the summer, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming that he's in summer now. Uh, I use a mixture of water and alcohol and salt to recirculate. Oh, for his chiller, yeah. Uh, recirculate on the coil after the boil. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I heard that if I don't stir the wort during chilling, it will it will coat the coil and won't really chill. I'm trying to sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, no, I understand so exactly. So I will have to stir continually, or I can just stir from time to time. Right. So what he, what Rock's uh, saying is, if uh, if you don't stir the wort, what, what happens with the immersion coil, uh, regardless of how cold you're, you're pumping stuff through it, um, a little... Uh, boundary layer. Boundary layer. Thank you, John. Is is forming around the uh, the chiller coils. It's you know without any sort of circulation, it just kind of sits there, and then you're you're working with uh, conduction through the liquid uh, to rely upon the rest. What really speeds up chilling is if you stir the wort and the wort's moving. And if it's constantly mixing, it's like in a a stir plate, all these other things where you're mixing the nutrients with the yeast. Here you're mixing the the hot wort with the cold coil. And by doing that, the temperature drop is uh, rapid. Uh, A couple of things you can do. One of the things I don't like about um, stirring, uh, you know, you could go ahead and just do a really quick violent stir when it's boiling pull your stir stick out and uh, put the lid back on and just let that do its work um, the thing I don't like about intermittently stirring once it gets colder is you're lifting the lid on and exposing it to potential contamination once it's cooler um, the other thing that I've done is grab the chiller coil where it exits the kettle with a nice heat safe glove and then just stir the chiller coil with the lid on. Yeah, lift it up and down. Yeah. It doesn't lift have to be a lot down. of motion. You know. Right. Vigorous stirring. It can just be a gentle stir. 
gentle movement to keep mm-hmm. the liquid flowing around the coils mm-hmm. and changing that boundary layer. Mm-hmm. There you go. We understood perfectly, Rock. Thank you for yeah. Uh, uh, he had one one more question, All right. and I think it's it's sort of it's one per along listener. the same. I'm sorry, it's sort of along the same lines. Only maybe not. I don't know. Let me ask the professionals. Um, Let us know when told, you get back from that. <laughs> a friend. Are told you calling me, somebody? Yes. Okay. A friend told me he would use his coil chiller with water until it dropped to something like forty degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he would change the configuration so the wart would pass through the coil that would be submerged on in ice water and alcohol. Oh, sure. I'm in doubt if the coil would really be sanitized, is what he continues with. Mm, yeah, unless you were first pumping boiling wort through that, I think you're right. Um, that would be yeah. my concern as well. Uh, what I have done is I will get it down to 40, and he's talking C, centigrade. Yeah. And then um, with tap water, uh, because the tap water around where we're at uh, is like 20, and that'll, you know, quickly knock it down to, you know, like 40. And then... um, Then run ice water through the chiller. Exactly. I'd have a bucket. I'd I'd freeze some blocks of ice in just baggies. I'd fill baggies with water, you know, Ziploc baggies, put them in my freezer, let them freeze up. And then I would just stick them in a bucket with a little bit of tap water. And then um, uh, my configuration change would not be to change the coil, but instead of pumping uh, alcohol and salt and you know, water through that thing, um, I would uh, uh, pump this ice water mixture through there. So maybe, you know, uh, Rock could just add ice to his mixture and uh, pump that through. And that would, uh, so so the coil now, instead of being six, uh, 20, is zero. And so you could pull it down the, the remaining uh amount pretty quick so instead of tap water or whatever you're because he's recirculating something it Mm -hmm. sounds like yeah or or instead of uh trying to make the water that's going through the chiller you know putting ice in that Mm -hmm. add another coil to the loop Mm -hmm. and stick that coil in a bucket full of ice Mm -hmm. so that you run run the chilling water through the ice bucket then Mm -hmm. through the coil and the wort Mm -hmm. and back yeah problem with that is it you're then paying for another loop and yeah. another uh, coil. Yeah. Yeah. Several ways to skin that cat. Right. Hmm. But good questions. Yeah. Thank you very much. This is from BS Brewer. Uh, could you please ask for the ultim- the optimal delta T for switching between groundwater and ice water in my Whirlpool immersion chiller setup? To minimize ice required, should I run groundwater until the wart temperature is within a few degrees of wart temp, or is it more like 10 degrees and then the cooling slows? <laughs> the Well, the question was the optimal. Didn't I say For, that? Yes. Okay. And the optimal <laughs> would require some calculus, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, you know, once you see it start to slow down, what I always did was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd first... The, the the drop from 212 to like 100, you know, the first 
50 was almost instantaneous. And then it started slowing down, slowing down. Once it got down to 100 or so, um, you know, it seemed like it kind of slowed down. And, and my water temperature, so 100 at Fahrenheit we're talking now. And my water would be 65, let's say, Fahrenheit. At that point, yeah, it's kind of slowing, and then I'd switch to ice. Unless I was doing a logger, I'd actually push a little further down and get down to maybe 80, and then I'd switch to ice because I wanted to get get it down into the 40s Fahrenheit. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the exact optimal is for, for, the, what, for using all the... Uh, uh, maximizing either water conservation or you know ice conservation or whatever it would be, but it's around there. Don't you, don't you think, John? I mean, what would you do, John? Yeah, I, I would. I I use about the same temperatures really, mm-hmm. um, from from boiling down to about half that. You know, fifty, a hundred C. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, fifty C, a hundred degrees F somewhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or maybe a little lower, and then switch to ice. Or, right. you know, to bring that delta T down. Um, I'm impatient, so I'd rather just yeah. use more ice yeah. than wait a whole long time. Yeah. The only reason I, I use tap water first is that I'm also lazy. So I'm impatient and lazy. And I'm lazy, so I don't want to freeze a bunch of ice. Because <laughs> you could use ice from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know, take a, take a note from the Australians. I mean, the no-chill method. You know, mm-hmm. If you've got the means, you can, you know, to use a bin and squeeze all the air out. You don't have to do rapid chill. You can do an overnight chill. Um, they they have, you know, perfectly good success with that method. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's so, the reason why I like avoiding the second coil in the ice bath. Mm-hmm. It's because then you're trying to stir the coil in the ice bath and the coil in the kettle. Because then you have two boundary layers, one around each coil. Sure. The nice thing about recirculating the, the fluid out through the coil and into the bath is mm-hmm. that that recirculation actually stirs up the bath and breaks up any sort of uh, uh, thermal layers that yeah. you're, you're generating. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But that's what kids are for. <laughs> <laughs> Get your arm in there, buddy. Come on. Stir. Stir. It'll be... It, Build muscles. That's right. Wow. Have some spinach. <laughs> um, last one is from Craft Beer Geek. Oh, my God. And we have a whole other show to do. I know. The last one. Yep. I shouldn't have drank so much. <laughs> I blame it all on you. Uh, you guys... giving me the double finger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You guys briefly talked about DMS and lightly kiln malts. Mm-hmm. What about... Berliner Weiss with a standard 15-minute boil. Yeah, you know, um, I never had any problems with that in the past. And I always assumed it was something consuming any SMM or ADMS or anything like that. Something about the bacteria fermentation, perhaps? Maybe. Although, so now I will tell you, maybe we should go back and revisit that show. Uh, the way that we make uh, Berliner Weiss at Heretic is we'll go ahead and we'll run our our word out uh, to the kettle and we'll uh, heat it up to kill anything. Then we'll pitch a you know a lactobacillus 
and let that uh, sour it up. And then mm-hmm. we'll go ahead and do a normal, like, 60-minute boil. And then we'll go ahead and chill it. And then we'll pitch our fermentation yeast. So, so I'm no I longer... So you are boiling off the SMM. Yeah, but, again, um, 60 minutes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it sits in the whirlpool for thirty, and then it goes to the heat exchanger. Heat exchanger is slamming. We can, we could pump it through there as, pretty much as rapidly as we want. We could be done in fifteen minutes if we really wanted to. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I, I, I've never run into that problem. For one reason or another, I don't know the exact mechanism. I I just never experienced it. Yeah, I don't have anything to offer either in that regard. I've not done enough Berlin devices right. to comment. Well, and when I did it, it, it worked out fine. So stick with that method. <laughs> there you go. You're All doing right. great, kid. Another another great show, another fine uh, episode of Bruce Strong. I agree. This is why we get paid the big bucks. It's quality <laughs> programming like this that keeps uh, Blickman Engineering yes. coming back month after month after month after month for the last, enabling us to hire high quality interns like eight, Corner Steve. Eight, eight to ten years. Yes. This is this is where it goes. This is it shows something about the United States. I'm just saying that we can <laughs> we can have quality like this. Huh? Gotta love the internet. That's if you do love the internet, check out BlickmanEngineering.com. Email John at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell him how much you love the fact that he sponsors it. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! Give that man a soft drink. <laughs> Check out <laughs> the Brewing Network store, the Brewing Network.com slash store. They have cough drops. They got um, cough drops. They got um, medical insurance. Medical insurance. You can sign up for your uh, Obamacare there. Uh, t shirts, <laughs> bandages, ramen. Ramen. They got it all. Uh, and when you buy that stuff, it goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Keep shows like this on the air. As long as I'm alive, <laughs> you'll have this show. <laughs> Until then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. <laughs> <laughs>